Hi, you're listening to Life in the Brand Lane with the brand guys, Finn and Ron. This is an irreverent look at rock music in brands and brands in rock music. This is a podcast produced by Fresh. Fresh brings you smart thinking for your business problems. So here we are, Ronnie. Life in the brand lane. Uh, things have changed a little bit. We're not uh, not allowed in the in the studio just now as we're we're locked down and stuff. So, but it's nice to catch up with you by by a call. And and I was thinking we we we've touched on this theme before. Um the how bands have evolved and we've spoken about ACDC, Van Halen in particular, mm-hmm. and tried to relate that to, to brands. So here we are having to evolve a little bit and adapt. Um, have you got any good examples yourself? Uh, in, in terms of bands? Yeah, bands in the first instance, yeah. Well, one of the things at the minute with the, the lockdown scenario is Later at night, you know, I'm kind of uh, trolling through YouTube and uh, watching a lot of guitar stuff. So, and uh, there was a thing, uh, Joe Walsh live at Daryl's house, you know, from uh, Hall of Notes, Daryl Hall. Very good, but seven years ago, and and it got me thinking. One of the one of the scene of the seems the seems that. We, how bands and brands can incrementally sort of innovate and, and change. And it, it aligned with uh, thinking about what happened with Apple in terms of the change of personnel when, when John Scully came in. Oh, yeah. He, the guy from Pepsi, and he put Pepsi more on the map, and then he went to Apple. And he, and he pretty much ousted Steve Jobs at, at the time, and and we know that Steve went back, but the personality and the the nature of Apple, and perhaps even the essence, because Jobs wasn't there, had had changed, and uh, and then when Jobs came back, it's kind of reinvigorated. It becomes about design and aesthetic and all of those things. And watching the Joe Walsh stuff. You know, and if you did a timeline with the Eagles albums, you know, from kind of soft country rock, uh, Jackson Brown, Take It Easy, and then sort of, uh, okay, let's play with the concept album with the Desperado. But for the most part, there's maybe one heavy or track in there. But you've got a kind of very country feel. I mean, it's great stuff from Bernie Ledden. But then there's a change in personnel and um, uh, Don Felder comes in, and, and suddenly it gets a slightly more rock sophistication to it um, in songs like, uh, uh, what's that one? You know, it'll come back to me. The, the, there's a, cu- a couple of tracks that are more kind of guitar rock-centric. Uh, mm-hmm. And then one of the, the interesting things that happens is that 
So it's getting slightly heavier. You know, one of these nights was, was the song I was thinking. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, the, the criticism of the Eagles was that they were not exciting. They were not, as, as a stage band, they were brilliant at, at playing this stuff back, but it was like just like the record. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't much of a stage show, really, was it, in terms of um, experience, you know, entertainment experience. Yeah, great music and so on, but... Yeah, but then, then they recruit and they get Joe Walsh in and Bernie Ledden's gone, and suddenly you've got a bona fide rock star. And the, the, the sonic landscape of the band changes quite dramatically. You know, it's kind of been incremental, but there is a, a huge shift to towards. I mean, if you compare, um, uh, you know, the light life in the, the the fast lane to take it easy. Fast lane. Yeah, those are two different. You know, you could say, "Wait a minute, is that two different bands?" <laughs> you know, there's a relationship okay. there, but there's definitely an evolution in the sophistication of it and also behind the scenes what's often overlooked is that they've moved through different producers and engineers sure that wider team is yeah that that really does make a big a big big difference doesn't it yeah i mean you get bill simchick and so the the art of making the record and sonically how it sounds is very very different to how it how it how it started so there's, a, there's definitely, I would say with those guys, maybe even a, a kind of incremental innovation. And then, of course, with having the Zenith with the Hotel California album, then there's a problem with what do you do next? Sure. You know, you know and it's a great album, the long run that comes later, but it, it, the, some of the magic, you know, the organic sort of magic associated with those five guys in the room together and the type of songs. It's not lost, but it's the brand's getting a little bit tired. And the dynamics between the guys and the band, you know, that's hard going. And uh, I mean, you've got, you know, okay, so John, John Scully gets rid of Steve Jobs, but Glenn Fry and Don Felder are fighting pretty hard at that at that kind of time. So there's things behind the the bands and the brands that I think uh, uh, you're only seeing the surface level with the music. Often when I'm talking about brands, you have to think about, well, who are the people behind it? Mm. You know, because that's really what you're buying because it's the creatives behind it. Yeah, and Jobs is such a classic example of that, of the brand essence, of the culture and yeah it's quite a long time since since I, I read that story about the pepsi to apple but oh. from memory the scully guy he's he's more focused around the economics uh, the numbers and he threw you know he was good at throwing big marketing campaigns but i think he lost that the genuine heart which jobs was so good at when he you know, he explained, look, we don't really sell hardware. We try and help people create and innovate. And he was he was a couple of steps closer to the customer. He was inside their heads, um, you know, for me. So I think it is a really nice example 
Um, and in the bands, I'm wondering, is there, is there this other element? So we talk about the wider team, the producers and, the, you know, the record label and so on. But the, the culture that's round about the bands and, and obviously this all moves through time as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, you release an album in 76, but then you come into the punk rock era and everything that's happening round about you has totally changed. And that's the same for brands, the marketplace. Look where we are just now. You know, the evolution we've seen just for the last couple of weeks is extraordinary. Of course. Um, so that that cultural dynamic. Yeah, it's the you know Michael Porter and so on. It's the extent to which you are exerting control in the environment in which you exist, and or the extent to which the environment is is exerting control and influence on you. And, you know, it's very akin to the idea that. You know the the punk rock or or whatever or punk, you know that's the competition. You know that's that's Samsung, and, you know, or whomever uh, to Apple or wh whatever you know Ford to General Motors and, and so on. It, it, the nature of the, the the context of consumption is dynamic and ever changing. And you said an interesting thing about Steve Jobs. I mean. One of the things that he's doing, and and we we've done this type of stuff. Future casting. He's he's gazing a little bit beyond the current arena, so that it's not simply proactive. Uh, sorry, reactive. That he's taking us a proactive. So he's he talked about the idea of uh, if you if you've got the guts that you can press the universe or the the context around you and you can begin to shape it and it will reflect back to you as opposed to you simply being shaped by it. And I mean, I think that a lot of pioneers and musically included are good at that up until they're not, <laughs> you know, uh, because we don't have a, have a crystal ball. But I think that like fashion, mu music is, is very, I, you know, not necessarily of the moment, but there's kind of seismic shifts that, that, that occur uh, in audiences. Not all, you're going to have diehard fans or brand loyals or brand loves, but a lot of people are going to be sub subjective to that and will move with what's in the vogue or what's, what's the, the Eagles wrote a song about it, the new kid in town. You know, it's exactly about what you're talking about. That yeah, we're cool right now, but there'll be a new kid in town. You know, and interestingly, that new new kid was hauling Oates. You know, the the Joe was playing with Daryl. Yeah. yeah, and then the same the same thing happened again. Then with with grunge, didn't it? To to the classic rock guys, it was just another reaction to. The, the status quo, the, the big bands that had kind of been dominating through the 80s. Um, yeah. That's competition again. Um, as, as you put it, it's a nice, it's a nice parallel to see, to see that. Yeah, and I think that what happens to begin with, and we talked about this with Van Halen, 
you have a pioneer, then you have all the me too's, and then the arena becomes over cluttered, and then we get tired with that, and we want something new. So it's a classic sort of cycle. Uh, and interestingly, with uh, uh, the grunge stuff and Nirvana, I mean, you've got Grolsch who has managed to, with the Foo Fighters, evolve uh, based on that success and that equity into, into, I mean, it's certainly not as heavy as Nirvana, it's, it's hard rock, but he's found, found longevity uh, in, in a different way, you know. And I mean, he's not playing the drums, he's, he's singing, he's playing the guitar. And again, you know, these guys are clever. You know, we talked about brand alliances. I mean, he said Dave Lee Roth up singing with them. He said Joe Walsh playing, you know. So they're, they're tapping into all of the, they're self-referencing, you know, and uh, you can talk about that with Muse, but they're referencing the, their own heroes. And, and, and it gives, it's that thing that a lot of brands want to do. They want to be new and relevant, but also have authenticity and heritage so they want it to be old and new and desired at the same time so we trust them but they're also new and exciting so you I mean you it's clever clever uh, bunch of things you know in there with with Grosh, i think yeah uh-huh. and you see nike, nike in particular do that really well by aligning themselves to certain sports ambassadors you know they're they're quite an age now, Nike as a, as a brand, aren't they? So they keep rejuvenating by you know, and obviously the 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 American football, the civil rights um, campaign that they align themselves to is is partly around that a rejuvenation and so on. We'll give them their due. Let's like, say that they were they were doing it for all the social impact and so on. Yeah. Um, coming back to Foo Fighters, um, yeah. Um, I was I was looking forward to see them, but uh, Grohl had fallen off stage and broken his leg before they came to Glasgow, and so um, that was that the gig was cancelled. And then another interesting thing I, I read that the his the the drummer in the band he's he's going solo because he's like, well, there's there's not enough space for creativity within this band, and so before you know it, um, you know the machine keeps going and growing arms and legs uh, and, and there's that lovely family tree that, that we want to map sometime yeah and I mean it, you know speaking of family trees and I know we spoke about them before but how Fleetwood Mac kind of constantly uh, reinvented itself I mean the, the, from, from the Peter Green immersive deep blues that was also relating back to your cultural context you know then we talked about clapton and so on that's in vogue at that time and then okay peter goes away lindsey buckingham stevie next and so on come in and i mean the rumors album is certainly not blues and is, is progressive uh, uh romantic love rock it's no aor but i mean it's 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 intelligent rock and, and buckingham's a capable guitar player but suddenly with the with the female vocals and everything else that opens it up to a whole new audience but it's it's still pretty uh i would say 
there's an authentic feel to it. They still mean it. But if you, if you go forward to, is it Tango in the Night and so on? These are very schmaltzy, poppy, uh, soft. Um, uh, how could one say? Uh, it's a lot lighter. It's a lot lighter touch. But but the the audience uh, and the arena has moved on. So so they they you know they're adapting and changing to the the cultural context as they go. Plus, like ZZ Top, the the at that time uh, with with MTV and so on, the possibility of reaching a bigger, wider audience. So you you know you're going a little bit for that one size fits all approach. You know, and you get into globalization, standardization, and so so they, it's not necessarily that they're they're no longer purists. I mean, I do think that a lot of these guys, particularly ZZ Top, you know, when when they they, they adapted and and they had a guy, I forget the director, but he did all of the videos for the Eliminator album. And he, he took the Joseph Campbell stuff and it was ZZ Top were the heroes or the hero. And it was guy gets girl mythology. And that's a universal thing for everybody. And they changed the music a little bit. It was more uh, progressive. And suddenly ZZ, ZZ Top is totally involved. You know, they, they become the pioneers. But they've used a different tool. They've they've used the we talked a little bit about it, but they've used uh, this then an emerging format uh, to say yeah let's let's reinvigorate yeah it's it's the whole branding thing was it's multi dimensional so here's another dimension um, yeah I mean I yeah. love those two albums when they they did that what was it kind of mid mid to late eighties um, and I love I love the songs, but so much of it is visual, the car and the the videos and the, yeah the sunglasses and the beards and all that. There was there was a lot of visual identity and storytelling as well through the videos, wasn't there? So, right, and then you know that that's when the beards came in. That's when the car came in. Everything you saying, these were signatures. Mm. These were touch points. These, this was brand recognition. This was brand recall, and if you will, and those those uh, little primers offered the the beginnings of of the brand love stuff, because you know you you're not just falling in love uh, with the song, but with the story and and the props and the setting and the the mythology uh, that that relates to. It. And I mean that that was and still is their biggest selling album, the Eliminator um, mm. album. But I mean, the, you know, that's a, a textbook uh, case of you know perfect branding, yeah. <laughs> music branding. I would say they uh, also did a thing, and Daft Punk have done this. Uh, they, they created a curiosity that the who are those guys behind the beards so you see you don't really know who they are so there's a mysticism also uh about it so i mean again it's all interesting 
I'm trying to think. Those are all great stories, and I think musically and commercially, how we've seen bands, and it's not always just coming in to more of a pop domain to, you know, cynically sell more records. Um, the next show that we've got lined up in the studio with music, because obviously we should be interrupting our, yeah. our chat here with a few tracks. Right. Um, looking at the cult and the evolution oh, yeah. between uh, the Love album and Electric, and they 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 had some real chart success, but actually that Electric album is really heavy and it gets much closer to heavy metal than. Yeah. It's maybe almost gothic, hippie sort of rock where they were previously to that. But um, I'm I'm totally um, in agreement with you. But I'm wondering, is there anyone who's evolved and then realized that they've left their essence behind and possibly their original listeners or fans, which Fleetwood Mac almost certainly did leave some guys guys behind in the early 70s that thought, nah, I'm not really into folk country pop. I was a, I was a blues fan. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think um, of a good example. Have you? Can oh. you think of one who's maybe gone away and then actually gone, you know what, let's get back to our roots? Clapton, yeah, maybe? Clapton from The Cradle. I mean, that, that was an explicit blues album uh, that was all about uh, from the earlier shows, we, we, we have talked about the journeyman aspect, which is fun, but I think um, the audience and, and he himself uh, was ready to, to go back to, okay, well, let's, uh, let's uh, crank this up again. Let's play some deep blues. And, and it worked. It was a very successful record. And then he went off and did the same thing again. <laughs> so it's almost like he pulled in uh to the pit stop to get refueled and he said you know i can still really play it and uh, i can you know do all of that and having done that now we're going to go do all of this stuff now again and it'd be interesting to see the the data behind his his sales Hmm. as he did that so i'm wondering as he comes into maybe slightly more uh, mainstream yeah. Picked up some, you know, pop pop rock listeners. Do they follow him back into the bluesy stuff? I wonder, and and become educated slightly by by that. And you know, and others have done it. Like Rod Stewart went and right. did the American Songbook, um, right. the real kind of crooner sort of stuff, and and maybe he's taken some of his pop rock audience into a new genre. Uh, I'm not sure. I think that's the wonderful thing about uh, bands as brands, and you you mentioned it in an earlier show, but where your entry point is uh, begins to establish your initial relationship with them, but you can not only just go forward with a band, you can look at the the back catalogue and you can can go back in time uh, with a brand. Nike's even done that, releasing retro trainers and so on. The vintage idea, you know, Fender have done it with guitars and so on. And you see this in music also with kind of classic 
you know, sort of more poppy related bands like, I don't know, Spando Ballet or something. Uh, the, the, these guys are doing sort of um, uh, retro tours. That yeah, they're... the Rewind <laughs> Festival and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I think the audience is uh, like many different aspects at, at different times that there's... Uh, it's exhausting to constantly innovate and I think audiences get tired of that too. And a lot of the time they want safety blankets and they want to go back and, and yeah, let's listen to the good old days. And uh, so the re the retro brand idea is, is very powerful in, in music also mm. um, in, in terms of, because the, the audience knows what it's going to get. So if, if brands are sometimes about uh, trust, they, they, they trust that, yeah, well, I, I know that I'm going to get the, what I desire from going to see this band. I mean, you and I were going to go see uh, Santana, and you got a fair idea in your, in your mind's eye what you're going to get, you know, uh, and you're ready for that. Uh, and he, you know, he's, we talked about revitalization and so on. He's done some of that, but it's constantly around that melodic, you know, those kind of rhythms, those kind of patterns. It's Santana. Mm -hmm. so it yeah, becomes, very distinctive, very distinctive. Yeah, it becomes almost timeless. And I, I mean, but the, again, the... the he suffered from the movements, but he, I would say that Carlos is much more purist and he's going to follow his heart with the music and so on. Um, and maybe get some sound advice and maybe uh, that's partly him. I don't know the, the entire story, but the, the album was, uh, was it Supernatural. Mm -hmm. that, that was a real clever move. To, to put him back in the map, just as Easy Top had done with MTV. I think that what he did was a super clever idea to take you know, newer, young, up and coming, talented individuals and, and pair up with them uh, with what he, what he can only do, you know, uh, the best, which is that guitar and those rhythms and so on. So, I mean, I think that he's. He's been clever there, and that's lasted a long time. I mean, he's uh -huh. still, he's, he's still desirable. Well, he played at Woodstock, you know. He—that's uh, him. He—that's he's—he's lasting pretty well. He's lasting pretty well, and um, well, let's wait for those dates to be reannounced. Um, hopefully, we'll be headed out to the hydro before not too long uh, yeah. to go and see him. He only had two two dates lined up in the UK on that tour, and we hope that these guys come back out. You know that he's not yeah. just totally yeah. put off if he has to have six months off or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, listen. Without the music, that's us probably talked for a, a an average show. Oh, for sure. So why don't we um, just wrap it up just now, Ron? Nice talking to you again. And why why don't we do this do this again? It's been it's been nice just throwing some a few ideas about. That was cool, Finley, and no grumpy old Finley stories. No, we missed that. We missed that. I'll maybe bring it in next time. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, sir. That was cool. We live in a branded universe. You've been listening to the soundtrack of our lives and your life. Life in the Brand Lane. For information on future episodes, visit fresh.biz or find us on soundcloud.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 